Welcome to the Simple Stories Podcast. The music for this week's episode has been provided by Houston's very own producer, Jaylene. You can find him on Instagram at Jaylene underscore RL music. And this week's guest is a very special one, Rito Arellano. He was a basketball coach of mine, and he's now uh, a barber. And he's been training barbering for a long, long time, ever since he was probably about 14 years old. And he's going to tell this story of how he went from cutting hair in a bathroom to cutting hair on some of the players of the Golden State Warriors. Now, this is the story that is exactly made for the Simple Stories podcast. I can't wait for you to hear this conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. If you do... I'd love to hear from you. You can either send me an email to uh, thesimplebrand at gmail.com or find me at Twitter at Max G. Lieberman. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. And uh, without further ado, let's introduce Rito. Rito, my man, thank you so much for joining the Simple Stories podcast. I'm super excited to have you here. My man, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Yay. So I gotta I gotta introduce you a little bit. Um, so for those who, who don't know, uh, Rito, this is Rito Arellano. He I met him um, because he was one of my basketball coaches growing up, and and he's been a role model um, in that space. And uh, when I was a kid, I guess I'm still technically a kid, but about you know eight years ago maybe, um, we went on something called JCC Maccabi Games. Um, it was like a little basketball tournament over the summer and Rito was, was my coach and I was struggling with my, my shot and Rito, you were, you know, the first person who was able to like help me begin that not only physical shooting journey of getting my shot right, but also mentally, um, fixing that and bringing those two together. So thank you for that. And, and showing me that, you know, it's okay to miss. It's just what happens next. That's important. How you make those adjustments? Yeah, man. Well, well said. You really, uh, you really brought me back with the the coaching days. <laughs> I, I sure love this. Sure miss it. Great memories. You know, it was a seeing you grow as a from a young young teen to now an adult and in college and stuff. Man, I'm I'm just real proud of you, my guy. I appreciate you. Are are you still involved in the in the coaching space at all, or not too much time now these days? Nah, unfortunately not. Uh, you know, one day I hope to really get back to it, but the the goal now is just you know becoming more of a. I'm I'm turning thirty next month, so congratulations. My my financial aspect of life in in order and. Just to, to build a build a plan, build build a dream, man. Yeah. And and so how long have you been been cutting hair now? So I started cutting hair when I was fourteen. I started wow. in freshman year. And uh yeah, I started cutting my own hair. And you know, we I grew up with three other brothers. We didn't 
we didn't we couldn't afford all of us going to a, a, a barber shop and getting cut. So we would either go to the ten dollar haircut down the street or super cuts or at the time you know, step pops would try and cut our hair and would just butcher us up. So I took uh, I took that in my own hands and yeah, just started with um, a, a trimer that you would pull out and to be able to get the back of the neck to bounce it off and see that. Um, sorry, we're real simple haircuts, just like a number three guard all around and give a fresh lineup. And yeah, man, that's that's how it started. And 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 when did it kind of transition into something that was kind of like, hey, I could actually take this on as a profession and, and really pursue this? Yeah, good, good question. So I would say for that first year, yeah, I was just cutting mostly myself and all my brothers, you know, my my really close good friends. And yeah, you know, there was it's a, some trial and error there, but for, for the most part, something is always fixable. But I would say about a year down the line was when I started pretty much cutting everybody on the basketball, my basketball team or football team. Then it became the whole school. Uh, so at first, that first year, I was really cutting people for free. And then I started seeing that I was really good at it and um, investing more in some tools, you know, making just, a f and then by the end of that year, I felt comfortable enough in my skills to, to charge $5, you know, by the time I was a sophomore. And then junior, I mean, I was cutting hair I mean, even since sophomore year, I was cutting hair every single day, um, whether it was one head or, or many. And then it just kept getting busier every year, getting better every year. And by sophomore to junior, that's I started charging $10 a cut. By senior year, same thing, getting better, investing more in the tools and the craft and started charging 15. Um, and that's by my, you know, first, it started off as a necessity, right? My hair was looking busted. It was, <laughs> it was, it was not good. You know, I got, I got curly specific hair and I never even ever grew up going to a barber shop. So I never even knew what a good haircut really looked like. I would just look at people at school with, you know, the fresh lineup or the fresh, you know, uh, the hooks or the tapers and fades and, uh, designs were starting to become really big back then too so uh, I kind of have a little bit of a artistic background and would do more so of tagging and that kind of translated to doing designs and you know that was the the wow factor especially being on the basketball team which everybody would get mohawks and designs on the sides and it just kind of became a, a cool thing to do um, but so from going back to it from a necessity then going more into uh, a business where, you know, being a soft 15 years old, making $5 a cut, doing that, you know, almost every day cutting multiple people, like that was, that was good money and not having to really pick up a job. And also being a student athlete, it was kind of all tied in together. Um, and once I really thought about making barbering a career, I would say was my senior year 
um, we had to do a, a senior X project before you graduate and you had to come up with a question. And my question was, and topic was how to open up and run a successful barbershop. So it tapped into the licensing of it, how many hours, 1500 hours of barber school. And um, from there you, you get licensed and then you can start your own business, your studio, you can start a big barbershop, whatever it is. Uh, but you gotta understand back then, back then it's like, it wasn't that long ago, but yeah, I'm turning 30. I feel like I'm a dinosaur. <laughs> wow. Wild. You've been at it. You've been at it for for a while, though. I mean, sixteen years. That's no joke. Yeah, that that's true. When I think about it like that, that's pretty wild. But yeah, like that was like the the first taste of barbering, you know. Because there's a lot more than just cutting hair, yeah. and and especially back then, like I didn't I didn't learn how to cut hair from youtube or instagram like how a lot of bar young barbers nowadays can easily learn right right so i was all self-taught especially you know messing up on my head here and there <laughs> but uh it when i did that senior x project i um i had to interview someone obviously probably a barber owner so my basketball coach, uh, who's also the dean of the high school, Hillsdale Knights, what? Uh, he, his dad was a barbershop owner in San Mateo. And so I set up an interview with him. And I remember one of my last questions was, if you had any advice to give me, what would it be? And straight up told me that I should become a cosmetologist because they make a lot more money. And he was keeping it real. You know, I, I graduated high school 2009. I remember real good haircuts back then were at a good barbershop were $20, right? And back then I was charging people 15. So I was still, you know, cause I wasn't licensed and I didn't feel comfortable enough to charge people the same amount that they're getting at a professional establishment. Um, so back then, it wasn't really a, it wasn't really cool to be a barber or looked upon like damn like as a career barbering like is really solid and you can make an amazing living like don't get me wrong i'm sure back then the the barbers that were really good um were making good money you know that was just the the time of how much they were charging and uh but I feel like when you fast forward to nowadays, um, it's like you, you're starting to see a lot younger barbers because you can go out of high school and 18 years old and, and start your own business type of thing where and make a, a good living. Um, so I feel like that is a, you know, when you used to go to the barbershop back in the day, it was mostly a lot of older gentlemen that were barbers there and cutting your hair. And now you're starting to see this evolution and transformation of this, these young, hungry barbers that are pretty much taking over the game. It's, it's amazing to see the evolution of hairstyles too, because, you know, probably, you know, 30 years ago, 
there was probably still just like you know three types of haircuts for men you get the you got the crew cut you got yep. the you know high and tight and you got it all off you know <laughs> yeah no, that's a that's uh, a really good point man evolution of haircuts uh wow yeah it's 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 way more fine-tuned and detailed nowadays and especially with the evolution of technology um with wireless clippers you know lithium ion battery operated it makes it real convenient you have a bunch of uh of, of different shears that um you have a bunch of different shears that do something different that you're trying to accomplish for the haircut there's a lot more education now. There's a lot more accessible education, which I kind of tapped in earlier with about, with, you know, Instagram, YouTube, those kind of tutorials. And uh, I would say also, you know, going back 15, 20 years, not a lot of barbers use shears with scissors. And um, it, that was more, you would go more for like a, to a, a hairstylist or some people would know as cosmetologists and because uh, they work mostly with shears compared to clippers as barbers were more clippers and razors. Um, but now with the more ed education and accessibility to tutorials, you know, I would say dang near every barbershop that you're going to go to is pretty experienced now with, with the shears and texture cuts and, different types of hairstyles it's it's a lot different y'all gotta keep up huh yeah yeah man it's a uh, kind of gotta be with the times and expand your horizons and and i have a little bit of insider knowledge because you've cut my hair a few times mm -hmm. um and and i remember when i went to your studio um when it was back at your back at your place um yeah you had, you know, you, you had a professional setup, mm -hmm. you know, you had the barber chair, you had everything right there, you had the mirror. So you made it feel like, like an actual shop. Um, how did you, you know, how did those pieces come together? Um, Cause I can't imagine it's, it's everywhere that you, you can find a, a bar, like a, you know, the chair. That is true. Very, very true uh man so going back to it i was cutting hair in my bathroom on on the toilet seat right? <laughs> I, I for for years i kid you not throughout all high school or you know i would go to people's houses and pull up a chair in the living room or out on the patio or sometimes i'll do it out in the patio but i would cut really late into like 11 o'clock at night midnight and later even to one uh so you obviously i don't have the lighting for that outdoors so i would have and my mom will tell you i would have you know five ten people lined up in my house in my room or chilling in the living room because she knew all all my friends uh wait waiting for a haircut especially before game day yeah it was it was really cool but so it went from the from the um from the bathroom haircuts to then the bedroom haircuts and that's when i think i was 19 i was either freshman or sophomore year in college and 
Uh, one of my boys told me that Shane's Barbershop, um, who owner Shane, was selling a barber chair, uh, a used one, as he was getting a new one. It was two fifty, and uh, I was like, you know what? I feel like that would really step up my game even more if I had the barber chair. So then, yeah, I got the barber chair in the corner of my room. Uh, got the mat. Got you know two big mirrors on the wall. Set up LED lights. Set up a little station with all my all my equipment. And uh, yeah, it was it was go time. I mean, it just sucked having hair everywhere in my bedroom, but <laughs> you know, it's the price to pay. I love that. I feel like, you know, there, there's so many excuses you could have made for, for not doing, you know, starting, taking that initiative, but, but you didn't. Um, and when we were back at that basketball tournament, you asked me, you know, in somewhat of a joking manner, Max, what's your biggest fear? Mm. Um, and I don't know if, if you remember that, but you know, what does, you know, fear play in, in the, in what role does fear play in your life? You know, is it something that you've developed a good relationship with, you know, how have you confronted that? Mm. Man, it's funny because I, I would always ask that to a, to a lot of a lot of kids that I used to coach is, you know, what, what is it that they fear? And I feel a lot of people have most of the time, the same answers as far as uh, failing, failure, you know, failure. Not, meeting, not meeting expectations. Uh, not being good enough. That was my answer. Yeah. Not being good enough. I, first it was spiders and you said, no, no, I want the real answer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, he took it real literal. <laughs> yeah, um, those I would say are the general answers. I would say that'd be for me too, but if I'm really diving into it, um, I would say is, uh, you know, is for, for me also is not making my mom proud. Right, that uh, my mom was my rock, my everything, the one who took care of me my whole life, and always give thanks to her and want to make her proud and happy. Um, but for for me, it's like if I would, when when preparation meets opportunity, that's when you have the most area to be successful. And if I'm not preparing myself when this opportunity comes and I don't feel like I gave it my all, then you have to come into that realization that, all right, well, I did all that. And, you know, maybe you might come up short or, you know, there's always a winner or loser, whether it's competition in sports or in life and, uh, or getting a job, right. You know, it's, it can apply to everything, but it's, it's kind of turning that mentality of it's not, it's not failure. It's not failing. It's just knowing that you have to prepare yourself and give everything you got. Um, even, you know, when there's obstacles in the way, knocking those boulders down and, and getting through and you got to keep, keep going from goals. And do you, do you find that it's important 
because you said that's a question you ask a lot. You ask a lot of your players. Do you find that it's important for people to know and be honest with themselves about what their fears are? I think that is important, man, because if I don't feel like a lot of people will really get asked that question. You know, I don't really think you're, I don't really think your parents are going to tell you that. Um, I feel like more or your friends are going to tell you that. Um, maybe a teacher, a teacher, coach, mentor, I would say would kind of maybe bring that up just so you can um, do some critical thinking. Uh, yeah, about yourself. And I feel like if you, the more you know about yourself, the more you can live your life or get to where you want to be and live a better life. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you talked a lot about, um, you know, preparation and, and, you know, maybe it's good that we know what our fears are so we can be prepared for that moment that mm -hmm. when it comes, we're able to confront it. Um, mm -hmm. Was there ever a point you know, in your journey when you started cutting people's hair and you kind of realized, hey, this could actually be a real, you know, a profession. I could, you know, have this career in, in the barbershop industry. Was there ever a thought that, you know what, maybe I should do something else? Was there ever like kind of a, I'm going to, you know, like giving up? Was there ever, did that thought ever come across? Not necessarily giving up. Uh, so the thing with, after graduating high school, um, I wanted to try and go to college. I was never a very studious um, athlete, not, not, I just wasn't very studious and didn't get good grades. So I would just always kind of skate by just enough to make grades to be able to play basketball. Um, and so Going to a junior college, which was up the street with all my friends and pretty much most of my classes and taking, you know, the general ed of math, English, uh, all that stuff was, it, it was boring, obviously. It, it, it wasn't stimulating for me. It wasn't calling my name and I was not motivated to do so. Um, there was some really cool classes like ethnic studies uh, that really interests me. Basketball class, that was cool. Music class, I took electronic music and was, was really into that. I knew I probably wasn't gonna do anything with music just cause that's, that's just, it was more of a hobby. But uh, I, I tried for, I think about a year and a half. And in between that, I was actually coaching at my old high school at Hillsdale and at my old middle school at Bowditch and also some travel ball teams on top of cutting hair. So I was, I was busy seven days a week for many, many years after high school, um, knowing that eventually I wanted to get my license to be a barber. I knew that to me, I was kind of putting on the back burn because I didn't want to settle with just being a barber. And because back, back then I didn't know if barber if barbering was like the profession or career that I really wanted to do. I knew I was good at it. I knew I, I enjoyed doing it, um, but I didn't know if I wanted to do that for the rest of my life or for a living. And so I tried, that's what I'm telling you, I've tried to do the college thing. Wasn't really 
quite working out, but I also was coaching basketball, which I was really, really passionate about and I loved. But coaching doesn't really pay the bills. It's, you know, especially when you do it for high school, middle school, it's you get one lump sum check that they tax after and it's you it's it's really you're almost doing it for free. So I that's where I had a uh, but mean in the meantime, I was also by my coach who got me to coach there after I graduated. He first got me a job with the Avid after school program, uh, being a supervisor and, and tutor for them. So I was organizing the program, um, doing, doing a lot of different things there. And so I did that for about two years. He saw my work ethic and then offered me uh, a different position working one-on-one with kids with, that suffer from autism and, and Down syndrome. So I did that for a year while I was coaching all those basketball teams and cutting hair. And then that following year is when I stuck with the special education program, but went in a different route and was with the therapeutic day program, um, helping kids that from freshman through senior year. Uh, There's about 15 kids that uh, suffer from more of a mental health of, severe anxiety and depression and uh so yeah man that that uh that taught me a lot and was really I don't want to say eye-opening but it was a very humbling experience and um I loved it I mean I was I was really young I think I was 20 years old when I started my first year and I had kids who I was teaching who were you know, a year or two younger than me. And it was, there were some challenging parts of that, but uh, all my colleagues were at least 20, 30, 40 years older than me. So me being, you know, uh, they call a paraprofessional educator. It was, I was teaching a lot of math, English, um, Spanish, uh, the, the, the sports, because we were in one pro- program that did all the subjects, right? And, uh, man, I loved it. You know, a lot of the kids uh, became really close with me because, you know, I'm close to the age with them and I can, I can relate a bit more with them and, and joke around and understand where they're coming from and what's going on with them. So it, it was really, it was really amazing to see a lot of uh, kids that were struggling to be able for them to come to school, which is huge for them just to come to school and uh, just have a conversation with them and make it feel comfortable and get their work done and show what hard work can do and pursuing any goals or dreams that they have. And, you know, I still keep in touch with a lot of the students today and to see where they are and like just like I talked about with you you know seeing what you're doing and it's cool to see you you doing this podcast movement respect that and it's, it's really cool to see so after doing that type of job I definitely thought about going to school for it to like be a counselor or uh, you know something in psychology uh or stuff with special education but you know i 
at the time that I did that for five years. So I would say two years into that, by the time I was 22 or 23, I think 23 is when I started yeah, going to barber school. And so I was doing my full-time job teaching. And so when I went to barber school, I knew I had to give something up. And unfortunately, it was my passion of coaching because, you know, wasn't, wasn't making the funds, takes, takes up a lot of time, takes up your whole weekend as well. And um, so that's when I kept my full-time job of, of teaching at the Therapeutic Day program. And then right after that, I would go part-time to barber school, which took me about like 16 months to do maybe a little bit longer uh, yeah so that was a long year and a half doing both um, and I knew once I got my license that I most likely would go to barbering full-time because I wanted to see what lengths that would take me to and again I was really passionate about hair and making people look good feel good do great that's the motto. It's uh, they call you Doctor Fresh for a reason, right? Man, bringing people back to life, making them <laughs> doctor. Yeah, <laughs> the doctor is in. Doctor is going to prescribe you. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know, I, I know you're super humble, and and I'm going to get to brag here a little bit for you on your behalf because you now cut hair for some of the, you know, Golden State Warriors players, you know, on your Instagram, you've had like Damian Lee, Brad Wanamaker, Marquise Chris, Jordan Poole, Eric Pascal, Juan Toscano Anderson, Nico Mannion, all in the shop. And I know that's probably just what you're showing. Um, and I mean, that's incredible. Like, did you ever think that that was going to happen? And like, I got like, how did that happen? Yeah, man, it's really wild how it happened. Um, I mean, for every, for all of my friends that grew up with me when I was cutting hair, to all the kids that I coached and I started cutting their hair, everybody knew since I was probably like 16, 17 years old was, I was like, man, like that would be the dream to cut hair for, for the Warriors, you know? I mean, I... Obviously, like how I said earlier, basketball was was my passion, and uh, you know, with a torn ACL and meniscus, my and being five eight, um, you know, those those dreams of making the NBA, kind of um, or even playing college ball was was cut short. But for me, I really loved and enjoyed coaching. So to be able to mix both of those passions of like being involved with basketball and cutting, you know, professional athletes and, you know, people who I would, I would watch regardless and uh, being able to get to know these guys and make them look good, senior t you know, senior haircuts on TV, um, you know, getting a golf with, with some of these guys. It's, uh, it's, it's really cool. I, you know, everybody knows that I've been talking about this since I was a teenager. So to, you know, put all this hard work in and have it come to fruition has been, um, I'm, I'm very blessed, very humbled by it. It's, it's wild. 
Yeah, and uh, the next, you know, to answer your next question was how, how did that all start? Uh, it started actually in this quarantine, which is insane. It, uh, Juan Toscano, he, you know, he was born and raised in Oakland and uh, he was, he hosted a, and, and rallied for the Black Lives Matter protest out there in Lake Merritt. And um, obviously during all this time, uh, it, was a, it was a really hard time for, for a lot of people and really, really ugly time too, but it was, it was much needed, man. I mean, it's not the first time we've seen things like that, but now that it's, you know, really been aware, you know, bringing people's awareness to it, everybody's attention to it. Uh, it was a really, really powerful uh, protest. And that was the first one I went to. And I, I felt like I, would, I was every, it was either every day or every weekend, I was at a different one, whether it was in San Francisco or Oakland. Um, and so the, the one I, that Juan organized, and he led, we ended up going around Oakland and stopping at Lake Merritt. And, uh, you know, a few of the warriors were there and, and Juan had some, some stuff to say and with some other speakers there. So at, me and my friends, we were riding our bikes and just hanging out. And after everyone was done, it was just kind of like a block party. And uh, he was doing interviews and stuff after. And... I didn't really want to wait, you know, in line with, with everybody trying to get a picture or, or autograph and do all that. But I did want to introduce myself and show my face. And so, you know, I, I don't, I don't like doing that kind of thing. I really don't. It's not, not like nerve wracking for me. It's just, it just feels odd to do it. But I knew that if I left, that place and didn't go and introduce myself to him that I would regret it. And, uh, you know, backtracking just a little bit, I've, you know, I've sent Instagram DMs to, to the whole team, knowing that most likely I'm not really going to get a reply. And um, so now going forward to it with, I saw that he, Juan was just with his girlfriend and nobody was around. So I looked at my friends and was like, fuck. Like, all right, man. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to do this, y'all. Like, I'm gonna go introduce myself. So I go over, introduce him. And my name's Rito. I work at Dog Patch Barbershop on Third Street, you know, right next to the stadium, just a few minutes away from y'all. Uh, uh, I'm a barber and, we, you know, would, would love to have you come in the shop. Like, I'm, I'm your guy. And just so you know that I got bars, like I did this design on the back of my head and that was the Black Lives Matter fist. And yeah, I mean, that, that thing made a lot of noise. Um, I'm very proud of that, that work and design. Um, and he was, he was feeling it. His, his, his girlfriend really liked it as well. And it, uh, it kind of just, you know, he was just saying, oh yeah, so, hit me through Instagram um, and, and I'll tap in with you. And inside, I'm just kind of laughing about it because I'm like, okay, well, I've hit you up probably at least two times. And, you know, so uh, about 
a couple days later, uh, he ended up hitting me up, asking if I could cut him the next day. And, you know, I was, I must, I must have ran a lap or two around my house <laughs> just in, in excitement, knowing that that was the, that was the opportunity that could lead me to my ultimate goal of being, you know, the Warriors team barber. Uh, and yeah, it was, it was super exciting. Even, oh, so if we rewind um, back in February, not, not this February, the uh, February before, um, I was cutting hair at a wedding in Mexico and Jordan Poole slid in the DM and was asking if I could give him a haircut the following day, but I was in Mexico, so I couldn't do it. And I was really, really bummed out about it because I thought that was the door that was going to open it. Right. And, you know, I don't know how he found me or what, but he, he was reaching out and saw my work. So, you know, I tried to keep it warm and keep it touch when I came back and it was the season, but you know, it, he never really got back to me. Um, and that just, it just, I kind of gave up. It kind of fell through, which was a real bummer. So now having this other opportunity come about with Juan and cutting his hair and, you know, he loved it. He came to my house, gave him a cut. And uh, then I posted his picture. I tagged Marquise Chris and I tagged a couple of the other guys. And then Marquise Chris hit me um, maybe a day or two later asking if I did house calls. So, you know, next thing you know, I'm like, oh, wow, like, dang, two Warriors in like two, three days. Like, that's cool. Then, you know, a few days, a couple more days go by. And um, I guess Juan was at the gym. And this is when only a couple players could be in the gym during quarantine. And uh, he saw Juan's cut and was asking where he got his haircut at so then he sent him my information and then yeah I had three warriors in like about a week week and a half and I was yeah I couldn't I couldn't even really grasp it how that happened how quickly it happened um yeah man and then it kind of yeah word, word of mouth you know Marquise Chris has really put me on to to a lot of the other players on the team um, and it kind of just has been spreading like so. I think total, I, I think I, 10, 10 of the players now. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. It's an incredible story. You know, we're from where we started to where we got right now. Um, mm-hmm. Was your hand kind of like shaking when you were cutting Juan's <laughs> hair? <laughs> no, there's, there's definitely nerves at first because you just – it's not nerves of cutting hair. It's nerves of wanting. Yeah, it's a high-profile client. I get that. Um, it's just more of wanting to do the best job because you know that the haircut is going to be on TV. You know that everyone on the team is going to see their cut. So if you give your absolute best work, there is a potential of everybody seeing that and being like, okay, yeah, this this dude's got bars like. You know, if, you know, I'll give him a shot. So, you know, shot, shot my shot, boy. And you've always had a good shot. Hey, you've you always know, had a good man. shot. No, man, that's it's too bad I'm 5'8 and uh, <laughs> not 6'6. <six, six. laughs>
I've been I've been working on my shot, and we uh we have a uh, we got to schedule a competition at some point. Cause you you I still haven't taken you yet. You you still beaten me every single time. Yeah, I still got the crown. Still got it, man. Until that you until do. The axe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, brother, it was it was amazing to have you on. Um, thank you for joining. Thank you for for telling me and, and telling us about, about your experience, your growth, where you've been. Um, it's an incredibly inspiring story that you have, um, and uh, I'm humbled to have have known you, to have been coached by you, and I'm just so excited to watch you grow these next couple of years and, and, and see where things go. Man, I appreciate that, Max. Thanks for having me. You the man. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Simple Stories Podcast. As always, a big shout out and thank you to our very special guest for joining us today. And I'd love to hear how you like the episode. You can find me on Twitter at Max G. Lieberman or send me an email at thesimplebrand at gmail.com. If you did enjoy the episode, I'd love for you to leave a review at the Apple Store iTunes podcast section. It certainly helps me keep producing the show, and I'd love to hear any feedback, comments, or any any anything you might um, like to share about the show. I really look forward to hearing from you.